You're listening to Weekend Joe, driven by Munganat St. Louis Acura here on ClabesOnline.com. The fun and games start after this. At St. Louis Acura, new inventory is arriving daily, both new and pre-owned. Our buying team adds a higher level of personalized service that others can't match. We sell over 100 pre-owned vehicles monthly, and many of these are matched by our buying teams in Missouri and Illinois. As new Acura production ramps up, be one of the lucky ones to try the newest Type S models now available. Performance has never been so stylish and comfortable. St. Louis Acura remains committed to becoming better than ever for you. Weekend just got more entertaining. It's Weekend Joe on Claves Online, driven by Munganast St. Louis Acura. Hear from some of the big names in St. Louis and national sports every weekend. And now, here's Joe Roderick and me, I'm Andy Hanselman. And welcome on into another episode of Weekend Joe, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura, Munganass Alton Toyota, here on ClavesOnline.com. I'm Joe Roderick, joined alongside by Andy Hanselman. Andy, what's going on? I heard uh, heard you had the, the Rona. I, yeah, uh, I do have the Rona. I tested positive Monday morning. Um, I started feeling bad on Sunday. So much so that I stopped watching the PGA championship before the playoff even started. I mean, like the, the last group was probably on a 12 or 13. When I went to go lay down, you felt so bad. You couldn't watch golf that I had to go lay down. I mean, I could have watched if I had a TV, in my right. bedroom, I could have watched in there, but um, I was wrapped up under three blankets, freezing my ass off Dang. for, uh, I slept for a good 15 hours Sunday night. Oh, and wow. I had, and I had just tested Sunday morning because um, Mrs. Hanselman uh, came uh, tested positive on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And so I was uh, fairly confident that I had a, that I had gotten away, you know, clean and free uh, when I te- when I because I was just waiting to test till you know five days after she had tested, which was Sunday morning, and I tested negative Sunday morning. And I was supposed to go play golf. And then I ran out and ran a couple errands and I came back home. And right was I right when I was about to leave, about an hour before hour and a half before, before I was gonna leave. Um I said, I said, I don't feel right. I said, I, I feel like I'm getting a sinus infection. She goes, or COVID. Yeah. <laughs> and uh so uh so I opted out of I didn't go play golf just to be safe. And then I was also home all day Saturday by myself, so I didn't see anybody Saturday. I was not, con- according to the CDC, I was not contagious on Friday when I was at the Dotem. Okay. So I would have just been contagious on Saturday and Sunday because that would have been, and then I tested positive Monday morning. So, um, but then I, uh, Monday I was fine. Tuesday I was fine. I got a little snotty yesterday and I'm a little less snotty today. So it's, it's, it's been, it's been all right. I'm tired for sure. Yeah. And having trouble sleeping at night, but um, other than that, man, it's uh, you know, I, I dodged it for two and a half years, and uh, 
Yeah. I don't know. Well, I'm glad it seems like you're on the mend. I mean, I, I assume you're just going to take Friday off and make a whole week of it. And uh, just, uh, but I, I know you're working from home too. It's not like you've just absolutely checked out and, and yeah, no, done I, that. I, and, you know, you, you gave your, you gave the security team at your, uh, at your, at your job, a, a week off of having to uh, hide you and, and keep people from coming to see you. Pretty much. Yeah. They, they, they don't do a good job of filtering the phone calls though. Ah, they, the, they still the, send the phone, those to you. The phone still rings. The phone still rings forty times a day. Yeah, yeah. I I am I am a master of just sending phone calls to other people at the uh, at the the job at the gym. Yeah, that I do. I just I take that. And it's like oh okay, and I'll just send it to somebody. And even if the person's right next to me, they're like, why didn't you send that to me? I was like, it wasn't important. You didn't need to take that phone call right now. Like. <laughs> Well, you can just listen to their voicemail and send them an email and avoid any conversations with them. You're good. Yeah. And the, the problem is, is that, and I, I've been working with Verizon on this, but ever since I, ever since I switched, we, we switched carriers at the office from T-Mobile to Verizon back in November. And ever since my voicemail does not work on my phone, it does not pick up. So people, when people call me and it doesn't answer, people get very, very confused and they call three or four times. Ah, thinking that the call hasn't gone through. Yeah. I, I don't even, this. I rarely leave voicemails anymore. I never leave them. I no will. Voicemail. If I get your voicemail, I will hang up and send you a text. Exactly. That's exactly that is, what. And, yes. And I'm, and I, if I ever get the voicemail working again, so that way people, but plus I have other people in my office who, uh, who have their voicemail. It works on their phones, but they don't have it set up. I'm like that's the move. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I get. I'll get a, a voice. It's just. It's one of those crazy. I saw what in New York this week. The very last remaining payphone was was taken away. And oh, it's was it just, really? Yes, it's just crazy to think that that's something you will never see again. That that's just something that does not exist. And it's. I mean, what was? I mean, it was twenty years ago. Twenty years ago, people would still use payphones. You and, watch episodes of The Sopranos, and they. That's how they communicated. Yeah, and it's just, it's crazy to think that there is something that we use today in our everyday life that 20 years from now, we are going to look back on and we are going to go, wow, can't believe we used to do it that way. Like, it's just, it is crazy to think about that. I think it's going to be actual physical phones, Andy. I think that's what it's going to be. I think the phone is just going to be implanted right there in our forearm, in our wrist or whatever, and it's just going to be right there for you. And Let me the, tell you. Let the fact that we carried mean. around the the fact that we're going to look back in twenty years and go, God, could you could you remember when we used to carry around that thing? Ha! Ah, God, weren't we idiots? Let me tell you what I will not be implanting in my arm is a phone. Mm-hmm. I will. <laughs> it's pretty much connected to my hand anyway, so I yeah. mean, it's just a, uh, it's just you know, simple. You're just, a, yeah. you're I you're you're I bet your screen time is quite heavy. I've never once looked at it, and I don't think I will. That's one of those things I won't do. That's like on a cheat day. You just don't add up the calorie intake yeah. on that day. Yeah, you just no. don't uh, You don't go ahead and you don't. But calorie intake, by the way, Andy, I spent $25 at Taco Bell on Sunday after my triathlon. Oh. Oh, wow. <laughs> was, that, was that for you and Mrs. Roderick? Nope, 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 nope. That was, that was me. That was. Oh, wow. That was me doing a triathlon, not having eaten fast food in months, in months. And so what'd you order? 
I got uh, a couple Mexican pizzas, uh, cheesy gordita crunches, chicken ranch burritos, a uh, bean and cheese, or is it the beef and uh, bean and, and rice, bean and rice burrito, whatever that one yeah. is. Um, just, yeah, it kind of went a little crazy. Um, order of a uh, nacho bel grande, just, you know, loaded up on, um, loaded up on, wow. on that and. Yeah, just started. You know what? That's the problem with the app. The app is nice because you can customize so much stuff, but then you just get the clicking, and you you just get the clicking a bunch of stuff, and then you get to the checkout, and you go, "Damn, twenty five bucks!" And then you kind of look and you go, "Ah, what don't I need?" And then you look at it, and you don't want to cut any of them. I mean, because then I mean, there are there it's all in your cart. I mean, it all thinks it's going home with you, and you feel bad by telling one of those items that, "Hey, we don't need you anymore." You can't eat all that in one setting, right? I did. Oh my God. I, so, so for, so according to the, the app, the map, my run app, whatever that I entered all of my triathlon stuff into, it said I had burned 3000 calories that morning. Okay. So, and that was the only thing I ate the rest of the day. Well, of course. I mean, I would hope so. Right. So just for the sheer fact that you probably wouldn't be hungry after eating two Mexican pizzas, a nacho bel grande, a beef, a a cheesy beef burrito, two uh, cheesy gordita crunches and whatever God knows else you had. God, the cheesy gordita crunch is so good. It's so, so underrated. I think on the the taco menu. Yeah. Taco or a sandwich show. It's a taco. It is. So I, but I, I did the, the try on, on Sunday morning. Time was not where I wanted it to be. The swim seemed like it took forever. And Andy on the bike, I don't know what it is about my biking. I am going, I, on Friday, I am taking my bike up to the bike surgeon here in O'Fallon and I'm going to have them kind of refit me on the bike and re kind of assess how I sit on the bike and how I ride on these races. Because Andy, I was having so many people pass me on the bike and I thought I, I, I thought I, you know, I'm surely like I teach a class, I, I work out. I thought, you know, I know I don't have the most expensive state of the art bike like some of these people out there have that cost, you know, probably ten thousand dollars. But I thought for sure I could pedal my legs fast enough to go at a decent speed, and I'm just getting passed and passed and passed. And I'm like, geez. And then I look at my time afterwards, and I see where my cycling ranked compared to everyone else, and I was just like, something needs to change here. It was it was not good. Were you in the wrong gear? I don't think so. I mean, that's the thing too. Like, I, I go where where I feel like I'm pedaling, where I'm moving the fastest. Like, that's where I set my my gears, and I'm always up, you know, downshifting. I'm always going up a gear. You know, I'm, I'm constantly moving around based on hills and stuff. I just, sure. I, I just, I feel like everybody else is like so hunched over, and they're just you know, in there. And then I see like my pictures from the race and I'm just sitting there like Pee Wee Herman on the bike with the, you know, hands on the handlebars. Like, like I'm just not, you know, on a nice little Sunday, uh, Sunday do you ride have, to the market. Do you have well put a basket on the front of my bike. Do you have the thing where you can lay down and yes. And grab it like that. Yes. And I'm so, it's just not comfortable to do that. And that's where I, I texted one of the owners of the bike surgeon who was, who has helped me with so much stuff before. And I was like, Hey, when I bought this bike, like you guys fitted me for, for it. I was like, and then I bought, they're called arrow bars. That's the, what you're asking oh, about okay. the arrow bars that you can, you put your forearms in the, in the little slots and you put your hands there and you are just, you are all hunched over. 
And I go, when I bought the arrow bars, I said, you guys just put them on and I never got refitted. I go, is, should I have gotten refitted? He goes, oh yeah, absolutely. He goes, we should have done that. And I was like, oh, I was like, I just had you guys put them on and I left. And he was like, no, you need to get back in here and, and get refitted I for bet. that. So I was like, oh, okay. I would bet your seat's too high then if it's really uncomfortable. I think, no, but I, but that's the thing. I think your seat's supposed to be high because I feel like I'm just all straight up when I'm supposed to be just hunched forward. I, I would I would argue that my seat might have to be higher up. Really? I feel that because I just, I feel like everybody else like is just all into it. Like all just, you know, uh, body and maybe, I mean, maybe my stomach's too big to where I can't bend over that far. I don't know. I, I'm not, I, I, I don't know what it is, but. Well, you can just I, switch, I think you should just switch to a Huffy for your, uh, for your next try. There were there were people out there on like regular like mountain bikes doing that, and I, I think they were just doing like the sprint. You know, they were just sure. doing like the half distance for everything. Mm-hmm. Which okay, maybe maybe you can do it for that. But man, like I was just looking at that, and I'm like, they are just getting. I mean, I mean like I'm passing them. Like if I'm passing you based on what my time was, like you you really needed. Uh, you Your know, bike you really is a road research. bike with very thin tires, right? Low friction. Yes. yes. Yeah. It's designed to go 30 miles an hour. Um, God, no. I mean, I think I, I, if somebody can go 30 miles an hour on that, God bless them. I mean, I just, you know what I think I need to do? I think I need to just spend a lot more money and get a lot nicer bike. That's, that's what I think I need to do. Like the bikes out there. Like I'm not, okay. I, I'm not trying to like, oh, okay. So I mentioned bike surgeon a few times. They're, they're a great company. That's where I've gotten all my cycling sure. stuff from. Sure. Um, and like the bikes that they put on their website for like the road bikes that they will put on their website, Andy, like this, I'm, I'm looking at a few of the, I just want to find like a road bike that they have on here for this and see what, like the price of it, because I just scrolled through and there was a bike on here for $4,000. That's insane. All right. So or, let me ask you, I have a question to ask you. Yeah. So I'm 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 equating I'm equating equipment to golf. Mm-hmm. Me getting better golf clubs is not going to make me a better golfer. Okay. How is you getting a new bike going to make you faster on the bike? I I, I do think that there. I I don't have the answer to that. So it's so it, it is an honest question, right? I it is. It is. I just, I see the people that go so much faster than me and I see the bikes they have. And like, I have the bike I have is a specialized road bike. Sure. That back in 2020, I spent $550 on. Uh I know. So I guess there are, I, I have a friend who she does Ironmans. Her bike has, electronic shifting like battery operated shifting to where she presses a button and it shifts not an electric bike oh. not not an electric bike not i'm right. not talking about that that you know the motor you know helps her go Just, you know she has to she has to make sure her batteries are charged before she does her rides so it shifts that way through it and like i'm looking right here like back in march they had a bike that had electronic shifting on it a road bike that looks just like mine three thousand dollars wow so let me add another question. The, in order for you to change gears, is it the sticks? Is it the sticks down there in the middle? Or do you have the, the Shimatu uh, 
gear changers that are that are on the handlebars and just do, you do it with your thumbs. My I do it with my thumbs. Okay. Thumbs or index fingers, whatever. However, I'm holding the bike, I will just click it that way. Yeah, yeah. Okay. One one side goes up, one side goes down. Do it do it that way. Joe, another question. Is it possible that these guys going faster than you are just in better shape than you are? Oh, they 100% are. I mean, but okay. that's, you know, we're, they're they're going, you know, they're like, for example, like I will bring it up. I will bring up the, like, this, this is how just freaking ridiculous it is. So, like, I went 16 and a half miles per hour, which I, I think is just so slow when I see these other times. Like, I was seven minutes slower than I was in Chicago. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's something that I look at. It's like, God, I was, you know, I was going faster then. Like, I wasn't that, I'm not that did much you, more out of shape. Did you have a headwind? I mean, there again, it's down and back. Like, you're not just going one direction the whole way. Yeah. Like, you're going all different kinds of directions. So, the guy that finished the entire race. So, the 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 first place overall finisher. So, I finished in three hours and 13 minutes. Mm-hmm. This guy, 29-year-old Lucas Leventi, or no, Leventi Lucas. I'm sorry, that was first name, last name. 29 years old, he finished in one hour and 55 minutes and 57 seconds. Well, that's pretty fast, Joe. That is really fast. His time on the, uh, his, his speed on the bike, as I, as I open this up right now, Andy, he, on the bike, he went 25.6 miles per hour. That was third fastest on the bike. Third fastest on the bike. I mean, twenty-five points. That is, you were were fifteen and a half miles. That is nine miles per hour faster than me. Yeah, that could be the bike. I'm sure it was. There's no way because I mean, I I mean, his bike. My my bike's very light. Like my bike might be five pounds. Right. His bike, I mean, he could probably pick it up with a pinky and just yeah, toss it from one pinky to the next pinky and catch it. <laughs> there are people that, I mean, there's people that are taking their bikes out of their trunk and like unfolding them and stuff. Yeah. It's like, what the hell is that thing? I don't know. Like, I'm, in, I'm, I'm interested. I'm interested in the equipment change, Joe. I'm seeing, yeah. I'm wondering, I'm wondering what it will do for you. Willing to be a, a sponsored athlete if anybody has about five grand set aside that they want to buy a bike for me and see how much oh. faster that can make me. I'm, uh, I, I will wear your product as I bike. I can't believe that you don't um, have someone to cover that for you already. I wonder, does Toyota make a road bike? Because I'll, I'll get Jamie to, to see what, uh, see what he can, he can get shipped in for me. I mean, they I make would, race car. I mean, Toyota's big in the race car, you know? Oh, I would, I would. Bet that they have a bicycle division. Toyota road bike. Just Google that. Does Toyota make a bike? No, they they have motorcycles. They have electric bikes. Lexus luxury road bike. Will that be by Toyota? Toyota Motor Corps Company. Yeah. I don't know. I'll see. I'll see Jamie in a few weeks. I'll uh I'll throw it out there to him. Be like, hey. Hey, uh, these bikes, how about, uh, Hey, Hey guy, how about, uh, how about all these Lexus bicycles? This bike came out, Andy, in 2013. Okay. How much do you think the Lexus LFA cost in 2013? 
only 100 of these bikes were actually produced. 10 grand. $10,000. Wow, I guessed right. Yeah, you did. If price is right, you win an extra 1000 bucks. Yeah, I like that. That is, God. All right, if anybody has an extra $10,000 that they would like to invest in uh, in this, I would uh, I will take your money and I will wear whatever product you need me to uh, to wear. So you're not you are not allergic to bicycles or money. Nope, that is uh that is absolutely true. Speaking of which, hey, Munganass Alton Toyota, find them online altontoyota.com. We uh we you know we keep talking about the uh the price of gas. You you keep seeing it in the news, you keep seeing it uh, all over. And you know what, Toyota, they are uh they are really really investing into the world of electric cars and uh, that is uh you know what that's that's the future right there. Get those cars, those hybrid cars, those electric cars. Toyota doing a great job of putting those out there. You can go to uh, altontoyota.com or you can go visit them. 850 Homer Adams Parkway in Alton, Illinois. Go say hi to my guy, Jamie Burkhart there, or uh, just any of the fine salesmen at Munganass Alton Toyota and see what kind of hybrid electric cars they have for you. And I, I'll tell you this too, they want to buy your cars and put it on the uh, out on their lot. So just see what kind of deal they are willing to make with you out there at Munganass Alton Toyota. That's Munganass Alton Toyota. Find it online at altontoyota.com. Come, uh, Andy, on the uh, on the show today, uh, we will talk Cardinals and Brewers with Matt Pauley. He is the pregame postgame host of the Brewers Radio Network. We will talk with him about the uh, the series. That interview already up on the uh, has been up on the YouTube page, the Claves Online YouTube page, so you can go and uh, and see the interview, see us talk about the series because we recorded that. On a Thursday afternoon before game one of this series. By the time people are listening to this, Andy, um, it's already going to be game one's already going to be over. So we'll have uh, we'll have the weekend to talk about it. But he joins us. And then also uh, my buddy from Denver, Brandon Kristall, he will uh, he'll come on with us, too. It's funny. I, I texted him earlier today on Thursday and I was like, hey, man. I was like, you know, want somebody to come on. And, you know, I just, because he was just on the show like a month or two ago, whenever the right. Russell Wilson trade was made. And I, I like to spread out the guests a little bit. I don't want to keep, you know, hounding the same people over and over again. And I figured him being a radio guy, he would understand that too. And I was like, hey, you know, need somebody, want somebody to talk uh, abs and, and blues. I'm like, you got somebody, I uh, got somebody in mind. And I, I, he was like, yeah, send, you know, send an email to this guy. And the guy emailed me back because he was like, oh, here's, you know, from the radio station, email them and ask them who they have. So I emailed him. I'm like, hey, you know, who, who do you have? And he was like, oh, why, why don't you just ask Brandon? He's the one covering the series for us. Oh, <laughs> and I texted Brandon back. I go, he, he just suggested you. And he was like, oh, <laughs> And I was like, I go, I didn't want to, you know, it's you were just on. I didn't want to ask. He goes, no, he goes, it's perfectly fine. He goes, I'll, I'll do it. So we, we talk, uh, we talk blues and avalanche uh, there Wednesday night, Andy. Uh, honestly, I'll, I'll be honest. I went to bed when it was three, nothing. I went to bed. I, oh, I, had, it turned, I had it turned off too, Joe. I, I can't imagine many in St. Louis sat and watched the full uh, 60 minutes in overtime no. all the way through. I, I, I watched the overtime. Imagine. I watched the overtime. 
I, I, had, I had heard through the grapevine that they were going to overtime. I'm like, oh, well, that's exciting. I'm going to flip it back. I was, uh, I, was, uh, I was immersed in a storage wars marathon from 2011. Oh, I was going to ask if that show was still on. I don't think I've watched that show since it, 2011. It, it is still on, believe it or not. And they still have Daryl on the show. Would, is Daryl the one that uh, wore the sleeveless shirts? Yes. Gambler. Daryl the is Gambler. He, is he the only one left? No. Uh, Jared and Brandy are still on there, but they're divorced now. Mm. Or broken up. And so now they bid against each other and they hate each other. Ooh, fun. Right. So, do you think they really are? Or do you think that's just for like the show? No, they really did it. It's uh, there were news stories about it and stuff. Oh, okay. Uh, and so, but I was looking at the Wikipedia page. And I think that you know, it's like the thirtieth season. I don't know how seasons work on television anymore. Right. But it lasted. So, it lasted from like March twenty second to April nineteenth. I'm like, is that really a season? Is that really those, a season of programs? If those two kids can't make it, you just wonder who can. Boy, they were idiots too. Just you know what? Good for that. That's entrepreneurs right there that were able to turn something into a into a TV show. You know? Yeah. What I uh, what I still don't get with that show is that they they would estimate the value of those of what those items were worth. I, I don't know if that's really a good way to do that or not. Because, I mean, yeah, you have to go find somebody. Like, then you have to go find somebody that's going to buy it from you. Exactly. You know, you, know, you got to find somebody with the cash who wants that particular item. Yeah. That, uh, yeah. Still and, and Dave Hester is just still the worst. I just, I remember when, like, when that show was at its peak. And then storage units, like, around the area would be promoting, like, hey, we're going to be auctioning off storage units here. Like they, yeah. th- those storage units just absolutely loved when people did not pay their, uh, pay their bills and they oh, could yeah. auction off because then it's like, Hey, come on out here and buy all of their stuff. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure that went well for, I'm sure there were never any kind of disputes or anything. Never about that. Never. Did you ever go to one? No, I didn't either. What am I, I going to do? Go there with a hundred bucks cash in my pocket? And... No, you like to you like to people watch as much as I do, and you know that'd be a shit show. Yeah, but I would see like one thing in there that I would want, and then I would just be like, "Ooh, what what can I what can I get here?" I'm going to buy this entire storage unit for this one for this one extension cord. That's what I mean. People would they'd go in there and they'd see a safe, and they'd be like, "Oh, I'm going to bet you know five thousand dollars on it," and just hoping there's one thing in that safe worth that. Jared and Brandy found a safe in episode I watched last night, and there was a bunch of collectible coins in it worth about See? five grand. See, look, I God, I, I hit that right on the head. I didn't even didn't even know what Pretty you much. were watching. Pretty much last night. Hey, uh, the the whole dispute thing. It just you know I brought up. I, I I don't know how to approach this. What what we saw happen down in Texas, and it's something that we can talk about every week. I mean, we could have talked about it yeah. in, in in Buffalo a few weeks ago at the grocery store, and it's you know Hudson's last day of school was on Tuesday. That was his last day of school. That's when the uh, the school shooting happened down in uh, Uvalde, Texas. Andy, we're recording this Thursday, and I I still have not. I mean, Hudson has no clue what happened down there. Yeah. I mean, just no, like that, that is just something that as parents, you know, he's done for the summer. That's something I didn't feel like I needed to tell him about. That's something he didn't need to know about, you right. know, and 
as as summer stuff starts up, I don't know how other parents are gonna go about telling their kids that if they're gonna expose their children to something like that. And if they do, that's their choice. Maybe he hears about it and then, you know, you you approach the topic then. But it's just you know, I, I have friends that that have younger kids that, you know, grade school, like younger, I mean, we're talking pre-K kids that you know, maybe it's a half day, something like that, that, that for them, it's unimaginable. When you see things like what happened at Sandy Hook, when you see things that happened there, I mean, that was a fourth grade class. That was an entire fourth grade class where that happened. And you, you sit there as a parent and you don't want to just take away all of their childhood and say, ah, you know what, homeschooling might, might be the way to go. But God, it just, you, you just, you hope you hope that your school, the school that you send your child to is, I mean, it's, it's sick to think about. You hope they're prepared for, for something like that to where nothing ever that unimaginable would, would happen for that. I am, I am indirectly involved with school security in my job. In the, in the door business. Yes. In the door business. We sell doors to the, the kind of doors that we sell specifically are primarily used in schools. The locks that we sell are primarily used. These are these are heavy duty commercial locks. They're designed for this is what these things do. All all of the all the tools are there. They exist to where teachers can lock down an entire building with the press of a button now with access <laughs> with access control. Um my, it, my cousin David invented a thing. It's basically like a piece of masonite, which is you know, it's, a, it's a quarter inch solid piece of like a, a heavy duty cardboard. Okay. It goes in a track and it's Velcroed to the door and it's the same size because every classroom has a, has, has, a, has a, was a vision kit, a window in it. And the teacher can go over and just and pull this thing shut and block the view into the classroom from the hallway with a mm -hmm. just a real quick pull. It's all it is. Um, they're using those in uh, almost every classroom at Edwardsville High School has one of those has one of those um, blinders on it. The tools are there, but it, it really just goes it, it it goes back to the core issue, and I, I and. It's just it, how an eighteen-year-old gets two eight gets two AR-15s. I don't know. That's what it is. And then to just see the the spineless cowards that that are running this country oh. that refuse. I mean, it is it is very simple, point blank, that this does not happen in any other country. Correct. The numbers the numbers are there. There are there is nothing that you can sit here and make up number wise to go. Well, it happens there. It happens there. Oh, it happened. No, it doesn't happen anywhere else in the country it is it is very easy to look at what they are doing differently and put a stop to it and limit what we are seeing happen at schools year after year after year after year and the the fact that nobody and then to to sit here and say well now isn't the time to talk about it because all you want to do is kick the can down the street longer long enough to where people forget that this happened because we're so numb to it and we will forget about it we will stop talking about it until the next one happens yeah. 
is is you know that that's the that's the end goal here for many of the politicians is to just move on and you know move on to the next crisis or or try to yeah. elevate whatever the next crisis or talking point yeah. is going to be to where we talk about i mean how many of these that there are and uh, the answer is not to put one armed guard in each school whether it's a retired military vet or anything i mean that you know that the idea is not to to arm teachers that's not the, i mean my both my parents were teachers andy both of them the thought of my mom back in the day having to be responsible for a firearm in the class to help save students is that's that's not the answer think yeah, back to every single teacher that you ever had kindergarten through let's just go through high school and how many of them that you would never ever want to be handling a a firearm most of them. Uh, yes most of them. <laughs> yes that's that's not the answer to any of this it is it is just unreal that it continues to happen. And I saw, you know, I, I saw a, a, a tweet the other day saying that, you know, having kids go through these intruder drills, which, God, hearing Hudson talk about, oh, yeah, you know, we had a fire drill today and tomorrow we're doing this drill. And it's like, God, like the fact that you have to practice for shit like that, it breaks yeah. my heart that that you are going to school, that we are paying money to put you into school and that you have to go through that is it's terrifying. And it's I just, you know, it, there, there needs to be change to this. And if something along those lines that these are 19 kids who were looking forward to to their summer break and uh, these are families lives that have now changed forever and you're going to sit here and try to this, this is, you know, the ones that are saying let's not make it political or the ones that can uh, go and make it political and make right. a change immediately. And they don't want to talk about it because they realize what they've been doing for years to to allow this to to keep happening and you know what all that's going to happen is another one's going to happen and we're going to completely forget about what happened down in in uvalde and either way it doesn't help i mean you know the fact of people saying oh i wish the i wish the guy would have been you know i wish he wouldn't have been shot to death i wish he would have been alive and then he could have suffered okay the guy in buffalo was caught alive we haven't heard anything about it since that like nothing right. nothing has that that changed nothing yeah, it doesn't change anything. It won't. That that's not going to change a, a damn thing. Yeah. It, this, this country needs serious. I mean, and I'm I'm a very very conservative person on a lot of different things, but there's two things that I don't. I mean, I, I don't care if you own guns to hunt. I mean, you you're. But the the idea that you need guns to form a militia these days is 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 asinine, and. I, there needs to be serious, serious gun reform in this country. And they say, well, it's not the guns that kill people; it's the it's the the psycho people that it's 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 the person with 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 depression or you know anxiety or mental health issues that that does the killing. No, but they have the tools to do it. You're giving them you're giving these people easy access to these tools to do it. And it's it's just it's it's I don't Joe. I don't have kids. I don't even know where to start. I mean, I think about my niece, my niece and uh, and nephews in these situations and what and what they think of it and and how, how it how it affects their lives and how it affects you know, just like how you talk about hudson you know and, and i mean we could sit here and we can talk about it being a, a mental health issue but you know what like i i see i, I see people come into the gym 
a lot of times that have mental health issues. And I, I see that I, I see them come through. And these are people that are not capable of putting a plan together the way that that some of these other that, that some of these people have right with this. So it's also a case too of I mean, how much do we want to look at a mental health issue when the, these people are have it together enough to where they're able to formulate something that that causes so much damage and destruction. So it's I mean I, I think it goes even further with that. It just I I'm wondering I'm wondering. What I really want to know is why doesn't this happen in other countries? Why doesn't it, you know, I follow, I follow a woman who uh, her husband got a job in Germany. And so she's taught. And so she talks about raising her kids in Germany, what it's like. And she stitched herself in a TikTok with a guy who was crying, basically echoing your sentiment saying, you know, I shouldn't have to feel bad for raising my kids in America. And she came in, she goes, you know, this, this stuff does, you know, we, we couldn't be more thankful on days like this, that we moved our family to Germany, that we don't have to explain to our kids that this could, because this stuff just doesn't happen here. It doesn't happen anywhere else in the world, like you were saying. And I want to know why it doesn't happen anywhere else in the world. Because, yeah, yeah. because I mean, the, Germany, I mean, they have, I believe they have gun rights in Germany. I think people own guns there. I've, I'm not, I'm not completely sure, but um, I don't think they're completely illegal. Um, I'm sure they have mental health issues are all over the world. I'm sure that uh, is, is it just our society? What what is it? What what? Why is it hap? Why does it not happen other places? And you know what? I mean, yeah, they you, kids. You know, you're not selling AR-15s to 18 year olds. Yeah, that's. I mean, I think you. I think you start there. Like that and, seems to be I, a. I, mean, I I doubt that. This, I doubt that the, that the kid got the AR-15s legally. I don't know though. See, these, these are things I don't. I'm making an assumption that I'm just assuming that he that he that he he acquired those through an illegal means. Right. Right. And uh, like I said, it's not you know and, until actual serious change happens. It's it, it's a it, it uh, sucks. I like I like I like Chris Rock's idea from 25 years ago. Bullets should cost five thousand dollars. <laughs> And you know what? People would still find ways to. They, you know what would happen is people would yeah, find ways a, to. There'd be illegal trade of bullets. Yeah, that that's that's what would happen from there. It's an that awful, it's an awful scenario. I feel bad for, I feel bad for parents of school age children, school age children, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, and, and people. And obviously, it touches everybody's lives, man. Whenever, whenever this crap happens, and you just like, you just, and you just wonder. Why? It, it shouldn't matter which side of the aisle you're on. You should be asking these questions. Why? Why does this keep happening? What can we do to stop it? And nobody does a damn fucking thing about it. Yep. Pretty much. Um, uh, I don't know where we go from there, Andy. As we continue on with the uh with the show here we um yeah we 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 go on uh matt Pauly of brewers radio network he comes on here in a uh in a bit we will talk about the cardinals and the brewers with him we will uh preview the rest of this series as you're listening to this on friday morning game one already thursday night andy make a prediction what was the score of thursday night's game so we can uh we can pretend like we we are up to date on this five to three cardinals Awesome. Five to three. The Cardinals won on Thursday night. And we'll talk with uh, with Matt Pauley about all of that moving forward here on uh, Weekend Joe. And then Brandon Cristal, we're going to talk uh, we're, we're going to talk with him about the Blues, 
Yeah, game six. I like Martin's idea. It better be David Freeze pounding the drum Friday night. That's uh, that, better that makes be. sense. For uh, I don't know, I don't oh, know I what he has going on, but you you tell him to cancel whatever plans he had and make sure that he is uh, he is ready to go. That's that's what he needs to do. So we will uh, we will talk with him uh, about that, and we will come back with some crack slippers right here on Weekend Joe. We are driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura, Munganass Alton Toyota, and hey, we are available right here on ClabesOnline.com. I'm with the home loan experts, James and Jason Gillespie. They have some great programs that are going on right now as we speak. Yes, there are so many opportunities for a client to save a lot of money. All you have to do is give us a call. You're listening to Weekend Joe here on ClabesOnline.com, sponsored by Collinsville Auto Body. Collinsville Auto Body is at 911 North Bluff Road in Collinsville. And hey, they will work with most insurance providers to get you back on the road fast. If you're in a collision with a deer or anything else, uh, Collinsville Auto Body will help you out as I can speak to from past experience. Plus, I've known the family that's owned Collinsville Auto Body for at least the past 20 years now, maybe even longer. And I can tell you that it's good people doing great work at Collinsville Auto Body. 911. One North Bluff Road in Collinsville, another fine sponsor here of Weekend Joe. Hey, welcome back in. It's Weekend Joe, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura, Munganass Alton Toyota here on ClabesOnline.com. Cardinals, Brewers, four games this weekend. Figured we uh, we needed to break it down. We needed to see what this uh, Brewers team is all about before they come to Bush Stadium for the first time this year. So we welcome onto the show. He is the pre- and post-game host for the Brewers Radio Network. He is Matt Pauley. What's going on, Matt? How are you? I'm good, Joe. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Hey, you know what? I know the Cardinals and Brewers have already seen each other once this year, and nothing really should be a surprise from that team at this point. But you get the sense here and at the the final weekend of May that this uh, this series could could tell us a lot about uh, well, if the NL Central is going to be close this year, or if the Brewers are just going to run away with it. Yeah, I think these two teams are clearly the best two teams in the division. I think these two teams are the only good teams in the division. The Cubs, the Reds, and the Pirates are not good baseball teams. The question is, how good are these teams? The Brewers are a really, really good pitching team. Their offense leaves something to be desired, and they're dealing with some injuries right now. I think the Cardinals are a really good hitting team that could use a little bit more starting pitching. So it is going to be fun to see how it all plays out over the course of the weekend. And that's, you know, I, maybe it's just a, a you know, disrespect uh, factor on my end, but th- for, for a few years now, it, it seems like the experts have picked the Brewers to run away with the NL Central. I mean, last year, up until the 17-game win streak, they, they were running away with the NL Central, and they were picked again this year. And I look at the Brewers roster, and I just don't see it. And I didn't see it again this year. And you mentioned the hitting. And honestly, I think maybe it's just the names of the pitchers that that I don't think is really out there. I don't think outside of Burns, I, I guess it's, you know, I, I look at it, and I just don't. I don't quite see it. So what is it about the pitching staff that makes them so, so good? Yeah. So I I would disagree with you on that because I do think they have elite pitching. They just lost Freddie Peralta through August and they stick Aaron Ashby in. And what does he do in his first time officially in the rotation? He's kind of been in and out recently. Uh, He goes and gives up just one unearned run, I think in uh, five and two thirds innings. So you, uh, in addition to Corbin Burns, you have Eric Lauer, uh, Brandon Woodruff in there. 
uh, as well. And then uh, Adrian Hauser. And they all have different things that they can do well. Something that the Brewers are really good at, it's making sure that pitchers can be their best self. A lot is made. They built this big pitching lab down at their spring training facility in Arizona. It's this top secret thing. Nobody's allowed in there. Nobody talks about what's going on inside of there, but the pitchers do swear by it. And it's using a lot of data and analytics to figure out what pitchers need to be doing to allow them to be their best self. You look at an Eric Lauer, a guy who was kind of a nobody before he came over in a trade, the Brewers got their hands on him. And now he's a guy who's got a sub three ERA. And you go back to about the end of June from last year to right now, his numbers are right there with Corbin Burns in terms of being the best pitcher the Brewers have. Brandon Woodruff's a guy that when he is commanding his four seam fastball, you, you can't hit the guy. Uh, Adrian Hauser has this sinker. It's the his sinker is considered one of the best single pitches in all of baseball. So you're right. Like these guys, other than Burns, who has won a Cy Young Award, we're not talking about guys who have been all star year after year after year and guys who have been these top draft choices. Like I understand where you say that. But in terms of production, I don't think the numbers they're putting up are a fluke. I think they're legitimate. And that's, I mean, you know, and that, that's why that's why we have you on. That's why we talk about it, because I think it is the name factor. Everybody knows Corbin Burns. Everybody knows what he is capable of, the numbers he puts out there. And, yeah, I think it is kind of the name factor that I th- Brandon Woodruff's been around long enough now to where he is he is making a name for himself in baseball. But when you have it, I mean, you know, we, we see it here all the time in, in St. Louis that it seems like a, you know, especially, God, remember the Dave Duncan years when, <laughs> when he would, you know, that just you'd get a pitcher in here and then suddenly, boom, they're, you know, all-star caliber. And that's where the coaching staff, that's where the, the organization comes in and turns these guys into into stars and turns them into very good above average above replacement level players that that you know get you wins and get you above that 90 win threshold and I think that's something the Brewers they, they've gone out and it seems like they've done such a good job over the past few years as they had a plan they went and started with the front office and built this plan and built this team into I guess what we're seeing today right yeah you know what's funny too they've made so many pitchers so much money over the years because they get their hands on pitchers and then the guys who go out they sign deals whether it's starters or relievers i remember anthony swarzak a few years ago spent half a season with the brewers and then signed this huge deal with the mets and didn't do a whole lot drew pomerantz is another guy jordan lyles uh, wade miley all these pitchers who have come through milwaukee the the coaching staff the analytics folks they get their hands on them they look at what they're doing they look at the scouting reports coming in there's a reason they want these individuals to come to Milwaukee because there's something there that they feel like they can really harness and some stick with Milwaukee and some go on to, to other places, but it's the, the success rate they have on lifting pitchers to new heights. It's really, it's something that should be talked about throughout all of baseball. It's pretty incredible. And that's, I mean, what exactly what I just said. I mean, do you remember when the Brewers went and signed Jeff Supon yeah. after after he, you know, went on his run with the Cardinals and then didn't do much of anything after after that? I mean, it does, it sounds very similar to uh, to what we saw a, a decade ago or, or more here here in St. Louis. Yeah, it's, you know, I think Dave Duncan gets most of the credit for that, and we remember the big notebooks that he always had on every single guy, and you know, his system of uh, of doing things. The Brewers do it in a, in a different way uh, because it's not just coaches. It is, again, the data and analytics folks and a lot of information that's being kicked out of computers. But you're right. It's very similar. Dave Duncan was incredible 
at making pitchers their best self. And the Brewers as an organization are doing the exact same thing. And then the offense is kind of where the names on the team might be that I think more, more people would recognize some of the team, some of the guys on, on that starting lineup that, that you have, but those are guys that don't seem to be performing to, to where you expect them. I mean, Christian Yelich, a former MVP here in St. Louis, obviously we know what Colton Wong's capable of Andrew McCutcheon kind of on the last leg of his career, but you, you see those names in the lineup and those are guys that really aren't producing to the levels that I think uh, fans would expect them to. Yeah, for Yelich, it's been a three-year deal. You know, he went out a few years ago with that knee injury right towards the end of the season, ended up missing uh, the playoffs that year, and he's just never been the same. And I think it's been a combination of schedule disruptions because of COVID and labor stuff, the knee issue, the back issues, protection in the lineup. It's just been a perfect storm. Now, he's had his moments this year. He is playing at a much better uh, level right now than he did either the last two seasons, but they really need him to at least be an all-star caliber player, I think, for this team to reach the heights that they want to go. You mentioned Andrew McCutcheon. He's been a nice addition to this team. Now, he's not going to hit for a ton of average. He's going to go out there and hit 250 or so, but he comes up with hits at the right time. He gives you the professional at-bats. Uh, you can just kind of put him in as the DH most days. He can spell Yelich in left field uh, when you need to do that. You mentioned Colton Wong. Obviously, uh, his production has been pretty consistent from his time to St. Louis to what he's done uh, in Milwaukee here over the last uh, couple of years. But overall, it's odd because when you look at the Brewers' overall aggregate offensive numbers they're really good especially from a power standpoint an rbi standpoint an ops standpoint those numbers are all pretty much top third across major league baseball the problem with this team offensively has been it's a roller coaster ride they'll go score double digit runs one day and then they'll go through a stretch where they're being held two runs or below the series that they just uh, won against san diego they scored four and two runs over the course of their two wins in it. And the four run day was two home runs and nothing else. So it's a very inconsistent offense. I would evaluate the Brewers offensively, not on those overall aggregate numbers, but it's more about how many times are they being held to two runs or less. And that seems to be an issue with them. What do those numbers look like? What do those splits look like home and away though? Uh, the, they're from a home standpoint, they are out hitting and they're one of the best teams in baseball yep. from a home record. They're uh they, they've been really, really good at home. Now, part of that is the division. They've played a lot of division games at home. The Reds have come in. The Pirates have come in, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, so it's it's been a lot better at home than it has been on the road, uh, just in terms of overall record. I don't know. I don't, I don't put a lot into that at this point in the season. We're not even two months into the year. The last two years, or the last two full years, not counting the COVID years, uh, the Brewers were not good at home for the first couple months of the season and had a fantastic road record. And I can't tell you how many people called into my postgame show saying, why can't the Brewers win at home? You know, and it, those numbers all even out. So I think they're going to even out at some point. They can't keep up the pace they're on right now from a home record standpoint. What does I, I know? Uh, I know Josh Hader had a uh, had an emergency in his family. What does his availability look like for the weekend or is it known yet? It, it, as we are recording this, it is not known. His wife is pregnant and she is dealing with some complications in the pregnancy. So as the team hit the road, he went to the team and basically said, I'm not comfortable leaving my wife right now, which I think is a stand up thing for him to do. That that shows where his priorities are and and good on him. 
Devin Williams pitched in three straight games against the Padres. First time in his career he has ever pitched three straight. And obviously Cardinals fans familiar with Devin since he's a St. Louis native. So they're going to be really careful with Williams throughout this entire series. Uh, obviously not pitching in that uh, in the opening game. And then they'll move on uh, from there and be careful with him. But from a bullpen standpoint, it could be a little bit interesting for the Brewers. They don't have Hader. They just use Williams three days in a row. Uh, Brad Boxberger had an elevated pitch count in the second game of the Padres or the first game of the Padres series. And then he pitched again in the third game. So they had some kind of you talk about no names. They kind of had some of these deep guys in the bullpen come out and give some really good innings. And if they're going to win some games against St. Louis, they're going to have to do the exact same thing. It's uh, it's going to be a fun weekend. It's a four four game series here to end the uh, end the month of May. And what I think what two games back, two and a half games back right now, the uh, the Cardinals are of the uh, of the Brewers. So could make for uh, some nice uh, could make for those standings to get a little tighter here by the time we uh, reach June. Yeah. And look, I think iron sharpens iron and I, I don't want the Brewers to just absolutely run away with it. I don't think Cardinals fans should probably want the Cardinals to absolutely run away with it. I think Brewers fans saw uh, last year having that big lead and kind of not knowing how to handle that down the stretch of the season where all of a sudden they lost a lot of games and it didn't feel like they were sharp down the stretch. So it's good to have some series like this. The Brewers have not played a good schedule this year. That's been that's been the biggest thing. I think a lot of Brewers fans kind of sighed uh, a bit of a relief when they took two out of three from the Padres because it was the first time in a while they played a good team. So I think these series all year long between these two teams are going to be a lot of fun. And you were mentioning, I mean, I, I know Matthew Libertor is set to pitch at some point. That'll be his second career start, the first time that he'll start in front of the uh, the fans here at, at Bush. And you were saying that this Brewers team does not hit lefties well. And that used to be kind of the MO of the Cardinals for so many years. But now that's kind of flipped this year where you see a lefty, no matter if it's, you know, it could be the top one in the league or, you know, a no name. And now you, you see, it seems like the Cardinals are just kind of licking their lips at it, knowing, wow, we got we got Arenado, Goldschmidt, Yepes, Pujols against a lefty. Bring them all on. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll face them no matter what. Yeah, and a good lefty going Thursday night with Eric Lauer, so that'll be fun to see what the Cardinals can do uh, against him. It's been really weird because you look at the Brewers roster and you see a bunch of guys who should hit lefties. Then you look at some of the individual numbers, especially from an OPS standpoint, and you see some good individual numbers against lefties. But the Brewers' record against left-handers this year, it's right around 500, where they're more than 10 games above 500 in games that they start against a right-hander. It just... It doesn't make much sense, but for whatever reason, the Brewers have really, really struggled uh, to win games started by left-handers so far this year. Again, small sample size with less than two months of the year. That probably falls under the category of things that will kind of even itself out as the year goes along, but that's been an issue so far. Matt, thank you so much for your time. Uh, looking forward to the next four days here in St. Louis. Yeah, it'll be fun. Thanks for having me. Swung on and missed. He got him with the patented Wainwright curveball. All season long, the Cardinals are celebrating the career and legacy of Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina. On Saturday, June 11th, the Cardinals host the Reds, and that day, 25,000 fans ages 16 and older will take home one of their replica championship rings thanks to Ameren, Illinois. Be surprised at the gates when you receive a wearable ring from 2004, 2006, 2011, or 2013. That's Saturday, June 11th. Get your tickets today at cardinals.com. Sunday is Family Fun Day at Butch Stadium. On Sunday, June 12th, the Cardinals host the Reds. 
That day, 10,000 kids ages 15 and younger entering with a ticket will take home their very own Nolan Arenado jersey. This red mesh pullover jersey features the popular third baseman's nickname, Nato. Come early for free frozen treats in the Ford Plaza, thanks to Prairie Farms. That's Sunday, June 12th. Get your tickets today at cardinals.com slash promotions. Hey, welcome back into Weekend Joe, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura, Munganass Alton Toyota here on ClabesOnline.com. It's time to talk some blues hockey, second round of the playoffs, and we're going to game six on Friday night. Joining us now from KOA in Denver, friend of the show, it's Brandon Crystal. Crystal, uh, Brandon, man, what's going on? How are you? Joe, I'm doing all right, but admittedly, uh, Lots of hockey fans around these parts are nervous based on where things stand in the current series with the Avs and Blues. But in general, I'm doing good. Good to talk to you again. I mean, you know, a lot of their heads are kind of cold because you guys just had snow out there and they just wasted all their hats, throwing them on the ice in a game that they ended up losing. So uh, they're, you know, they they got nothing, uh, nothing covering up top now. Yep, because we all know everyone only owns one hat. They bring it to the hockey game and they throw it on the ice, and then that's it. They're done. Uh, but yeah, we did have we had snow last Saturday. It uh, it made the Luke Combs concert at the football stadium a little a little bit chilly. They actually were able to after getting snowed out Friday in the Mets and Rockies, able to get in two games Saturday. It was just a little cold, a little sunny at times. But then it's back into the seventies, and today it's actually north of eighty. So we're back to springtime weather in the Rockies. But that's how it goes. Uh, in terms of cold, yeah, it was a it was a cold ending certainly for Avalanche fans last night at Ball Arena, especially on the heels not only blowing the three zero lead, but then the incredible goal Nathan McKinnon scored with just under three minutes left. You thought, okay, can they hold off the Blues, put the series to bed? In fact, uh, I want to say that it was Thomas got in the way of uh, Gabe Landeskog on his way to what would have been an empty netter, maybe that would have made it five three and, and iced it. And now there is, I don't say panic, but certainly concern that a game six will quickly lead to a game seven. And we know anything can happen in game seven with a veteran team that just won a couple, couple years ago in the Blues. I, I got to be honest with you. I, I think I'd rather talk more about the Luke Combs concert because that was one that I actually had on my uh, I had on my schedule. I wanted to come out there. I wanted to fly out there for uh, for that and see it out there at the uh, at the big stadium. But I'll I'll catch I'll catch his stadium tour some other point. Uh, hopefully he does it for uh, for quite some time. But yeah, I, I want to know. So where? So I mean, right now, you know, when it's when it's May and the Blues are still playing hockey at the end of May, and and you know that's that's the lead here in, in town because people just expect to have a few uh, a few extra months left of Cardinal baseball uh, into hopefully into October uh, a lot of the times. So where does Avalanche hockey rank in in Denver? Well, certainly the f- fans attending games and watching games, it's high. The casual fan, I guess, is probably more who you're asking about, right? Because you've got the people that yeah. are checking, you know, are there any line changes that are going to happen and tracking minutes on ice and all and all of that and clamoring for guys that haven't maybe played because they were a healthy scratch to, to get in and see if they can help the team maybe correct a, a, a mistake here or there offensively or defensively, whatever it may be. So those folks they're they're in, right. But they're in, they're in all year and they're just amped up this time of year as the chase to the cup happens. But as we know, casual sports fans are what make a city and, uh, you know, or a region get even, you know, come more alive in a big playoff run. And I think that it, it is pretty high for the abs right now. Uh, they are still the lead, even though, 
This week, the Broncos were on the field uh, for their first official organized team activity, you know, mini camp style practices, voluntary, but you get Russell Wilson out there. A few weeks ago, they had a veteran one. So we saw Russ on the field. So that automatically knocks them down. The Rockies being crappy uh, of late, losing nine of 12, uh, as you and I are, are, are talking here, they they certainly are falling down back to kind of their normal place this time of year. It's a question of how how quickly do they fall off the, the edge of the cliff. And then with the Nuggets, there's not a lot of news other than, the, you know, the team president decided to leave for Minnesota. And Josh Kroenke was going to address that, but he caught COVID, which I know whenever anything negative happens to Josh or his dad, Stan, folks uh, around there are so sad and, and hope that they recover quickly and all of that. But we so there hasn't been much. The, the abs are 1A right now at the, you know, the top of the Denver okay. Post. They're how I lead every sports update in Denver. Even, you know, we're the Rocky station. And even if the Rockies win, I'm still leading with the abs. And even though we're the Broncos station, I'm still leading with the abs. So they are certainly top of mind. Uh, but it's still hockey, right? And you can yep. look at what the numbers are. Even with improved TV ratings, they don't come near what the NBA is doing. And the NBA ratings are a tenth of what the NFL does. And they're, you know, they had such a good regular season that, you know, winning in the second round, you know, I would imagine for a lot of hockey fans would just be expected in any hockey town when you're when you're that good that it should just be, like, hey, you know what, we were the one seed we should be in the conference finals. So leading up to, you know, all of this stuff, it's just expected. And one thing about this Avalanche team, you know, we, we talk so much in sports about momentum. And the the momentum in this series has seemed to just favor the Avs at all times. Even when the Blues, they, they get ahead early in game two. They get ahead early in game four. The momentum seems to be on their side. And then immediately the Avalanche just come and take it away and just take all the wins out of the sails for that. And it's another sense here after game five. You know, they were up three nothing. I ad admittedly, I turned off the TV. I turned it off. I was like, OK, you know what? 3-0. Good season, see what they do, see what the Blues do to improve next year. Then I go look at my phone and I'm like, whoa, okay, they, they won in overtime. Okay, I, you know, you go back and you're watching how it happened and everything that, that took place in the game. And, you know, in, in a game six, even though it's in St. Louis, uh, the Avalanche have the guys on that team that can quickly just take it, you know, go right out there and, and take over. Well, and, and we saw them after losing game two, here in in denver go into st louis and, and Colorado was able to wins win games three and four and i understand there's obviously the the varying degrees of controversy and and that's its own conversation in and of itself but just on the ice you're right they are as talented a team especially offensively as there is in hockey and you saw it with they had not one but two nine or ten game winning streaks during the year and and barely lost at home and barely lost at all right they they set points records for the franchise for for colorado and quebec in terms of how quickly they got to 60 wins, how quickly they got to 50 wins and, and maybe even total wins. And, and so even though they didn't win the president's trophy, like they did a year ago uh, there, they were expected to make a deep run at the same time. I don't know how many fans, casual hockey fans realize this. They haven't gotten out of the second round. We know it's three years in a row. They haven't done it, but they haven't gotten out of the second round since 2002. Wow. The year after winning, winning their second Stanley cup here in Colorado. So, it, it's a bit of a head scratcher because you've got Nathan McKinnon, who's a top five player. You've got Kale McCarr, who might also be a top five, if not as certainly a top 10 player and a bunch of good pieces around him. Nazem Kadri 
finally living up to maybe the expectation of being, you know, a top 10 pick. And obviously spent most of his career in Toronto, but he's an all-star this year. Miko Rantanen was leading the team in scoring most of the years. Gabe Landeskog, a, a former, you know, high draft pick and and the captain they've got. And then they added a bunch of veteran pieces that you thought would complement these guys well. And so the team is built to win the cup and to make this run. It's just easy when you're up 3-0 and up 3-1 in a series and you blow it to say, oh, the sky is falling. When when they won those two cups in 96 and, and 01, they lost five and six games on their way to a championship. You're not supposed to go. And Nathan McKinnon said this after after game five. He said, you're not supposed to win every series 4-0, 4-1. These are supposed to be hard, right? The Blues are a veteran-laden team with, what, nine 20-goal nine scores and Ryan O'Reilly obviously being as as good a, a captain as you could have on a team and a good two-way player. Obviously, we know him really well around here. And he made Nathan McKinnon's life hard for the first four games. Nathan McKinnon obviously got the best of not just Ryan O'Reilly, but everybody on the Blues for the majority of that game. And that's what you're supposed to do when you're a top-five player, right? But the reason the players, and I think Jared Bednar aren't hitting the panic button, is because they know they were up 3-0, right? They haven't been getting their doors uh, you know, blown off in every game and and it was three, one the other way they've fallen behind in the first four games and came back and, and won three of them. So they know they have the talent, but you have now allowed a team that was ready to be put out to pasture and, and hit the golf course or head to Cancun. You've given them new life. And we know that closing teams out is hard, whether, whether it be football based or well, closing teams out, baseball, basketball, hockey, right? Multi-game series, getting, getting that fourth win is hard. And the, the abs are aware of that, and fans, I think, are just nervous because of how the last three years have gone. Yeah, and, you know, it looks like maybe Tarasenko wake up, woke up a little bit in game uh, in game five, And two, Thomas, maybe. too, right? Thomas yeah. scores his first two goals of the playoffs as well. And you see Tyler Bozak, a former DU player a million years ago, uh, making, I'm sure, some friends of his from, from college <laughs> that still live here in the Rocky Mountain area, Rocky Mountain region, Front Range. Uh, sad for the night that their their pal ended the end what would have been the – you know, a uh, uh, obvious trip to the third round. You're talking about from years ago. God, just seeing Eric Johnson's name, and, and sure. then, you, Same then you look at then you look at how old he is. It's see, I mean, it really feels like it was 25 years ago that he was drafted first overall by the Blues, and then you look and he's he's not that old, and he's still he's still playing. It's like okay, uh, maybe you know, maybe I need to look back and kind of you know look, revise how uh, how old I think I am. The, the, well, that's the thing is we realize like LeBron James has been in the NBA for 20 years now, 19, 20 years, and he's 37. God dang, he's 37. And you're like, oh, I'm 40, like me, I'm 44. And that that's the thing that I have to remind myself and think about like when I was a teenager, how old having parents in their 40s seem, right? Or whatever it may be, <laughs> right? And, and so yeah. I... No, I can't. I'm 37, and I, the LeBron one's perfect for me because I mean, it, you know, graduated high school the same year, and it's yeah. like okay, like it's been that same the whole time, and you know, and it, yeah, but you look at other things like that, and you know, seeing you know Yachty, what being how old he is, and yeah. almost being 42, and it's like geez, well, and 42, know. we know we'll put a question mark next to that with with Pujols because we know he hasn't Stop gone it. back to the Dominican to get his adjusted birth certificate like Soriano <laughs> and all the rest of them. Well, you don't have to give back those high school championships because he's 22. <laughs> but I, I, I digress. We're talking. If we're, if we're talking, okay, hey, if we're talking controversy, uh, let's talk about Kadri and how it's being covered nationally, locally on both sides. 
how do you think he is uh, being seen? Is it fair the uh, the way that uh, I guess St. Louis is looking at him at being the bad guy? And how do you think uh, this has been viewed and covered nationally over what happened uh, in Game Three? Well, nationally versus it's funny because I was talking to Benjamin Hockman and Mark Kisler, who are obviously the two big columnists in, in their respective towns, Mark here, at the Denver post for a million years. Ben was kind of the number two columnist, uh, to, to Mark. And then obviously went home to St. Louis. Mm-hmm. And so, and I don't know if it was Mark or Ben that were making this point. This is before game five. We we're just talking at morning skate that I think it was Ben that no matter how you look at it, everyone in St. Louis believes it was a dirty play. And everyone in Denver believes he was kind of pushed directed into him. And you can't, convince either side that they're wrong right it 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 has a very republican democrat feel to it right now uh certainly on on more controversial topics and and we'll leave those alone but that it's you are dug in and if you're a blues fan cadre did that on purpose he tried to hurt bennington and if you're an abs fan you say they were going really fast there's obviously a defensive player engaged right rosen's engaged and cadre is at first skating away from him right so i don't know how you convince anyone and if you really believe that then that's fine one way or the other uh i think that it was really interesting and and a bit surprising the way Braden shen and and buchnevich handled the their retaliation in game four because the game was still up in the air to some degree i get that it was three one at that point but to react the way they reacted when it's 3-1 and the missed elbow from Shen too, what would have happened had he connected on that? Was that a warning shot or like, hey, I'm I'm here. I want you to feel me. Or was it just a miss and would it have ended Nazem Kadri's season? So it feels like it's behind us. But now that there's a game six, we know he's going to get booed every time he comes anywhere near the puck. Uh, and will there be death? death threats do we even know how significant those were i'm not trying to minimize them the police and the nhl have to react the way they do craig baruby's acknowledgement of it felt a little disingenuous but i don't think anybody in colorado is sweating nazim Kadri's safety or will there be even more retaliation it's they're worried about just winning game six and trying to get a couple days up especially you know depending on what happens in, in the other series they want to be able to maximize their rest yeah, and most, and, you know, with, with that, not trying to minimize any of the threats either, but it's usually people with dog avatars and about 10 numbers after their Twitter account name. So it's, you know, those those are the people that are out there. But I think we also see how crazy people can be in the uh, in the country. Game six should be a good one back here in St. Louis. Uh, do you, you and Hoxie get to go out for burgers anywhere uh, when he was in town? No, yeah. Uh... I'm sure he found one or two of his favorite burgers. I've got lots of little kids. And so even getting to the guy, like I, I missed the first goal last night because I was having dinner at home with the kiddos and then had to do a post game show uh, after, after game five. So I, uh, I'm glad I could see Ben in the in the press box in a, in a morning skate because this is the only time we're able to catch up. <laughs> we had him on two weeks ago, and he was giving recommendations for any Blues fans that sure. were, that were I'm traveling. Sure, Cricket uh, was high on his list. That, that and, I think was number yeah. one on the uh, yeah, on the list. So, actually, yes. Odds are he he and, and his pal Lindsey Jones from the Athletic and her husband, the other Chris Paul, who's a proud St. Louis native. I'm guessing they they might have hit up the Cherry Cricket, but I I wasn't able to to join them. 
Well, we will uh, maybe game seven if it works its way back to uh, back to Denver for that. Brandon, thank you so much for your uh, time, and we will catch up very soon. I appreciate it, Joe. School is out for summer. Let's celebrate at the ballpark with Teachers Night on Monday, June 13th and Tuesday, June 14th. With the purchase of a special theme ticket, teachers will take home an exclusive Cardinals neoprene tote bag. And as a special treat, you'll receive a drink coupon for your first drink of the summer on us. For more information or to purchase, visit cardinals.com theme. Star Wars Night, presented by Topps Trading Card Company, returns to the ballpark on Wednesday, June 15th. With the purchase of a special themed ticket, fans will take home an exclusive Star Wars themed baseball tee. Characters from the 501st Legion will be on hand for photo ops, and a portion of the proceeds from each ticket sold will be donated to Stand Up to Cancer. Get your Star Wars Night tickets at cardinals.com theme. Final segment here, Weekend Joe, driven by Munganass, St. Louis, Acura, Munganass, Alton, Toyota, ClebsOnline.com, uh, Cardinals and Brewers this weekend. You heard us talk about it with uh, with Matt Pauley there of the Brewers Radio Network and then a uh, Blues Avs conversation with my guy Brandon Cristal out in Denver. Hey, um, also a coming up um, new episode of the Joe West podcast coming out next Monday, even though it's Memorial Day, still putting out a, a new episode yeah. of the, uh, of the podcast. Got a lot of great guests lined up. I, I know Klaibs, he was talking about it earlier this week. Um, I believe in a couple of weeks, we're going to have uh, Joe Buck on the, uh, on the podcast. So looking forward to hearing uh, some Joe Buck stories with Joe West. The last episode we had was with Eduardo Perez of ESPN and just hearing him tell stories about running around the uh the hallways of riverfront stadium growing up mm-hmm. and how his best friend growing up and his best friend still to this day is pete rose jr like, really yeah he was just i mean they grew up together they were the same yeah. age you know their dads were on the big red machine and he's like we, we ran around the hallways together he goes you know was, it, it, that's who i grew up with and just thinking of that and thinking how those guys, you know, ended up being, you know, Pete Rose Jr. I know not as never made it to the pros, but sure. was in minor league ball, but Eduardo in in the pros and just stories like that. And it was fitting this past week. It was, you know, the Blue Jays were in town for the to face the Cardinals and how many, you know, Bo Bichette, Vlad Jr. on that team and how their dads, you know, played pro ball and at some point i'm sure they they ran into each other at some point in their lives before you know now being teammates and batting three four in an order together is it's just cool to to hear stories like that or you know and then you i'm sure you had a lot of crazy parents this past week or weekend who told their sons and their son's best friend that they were going to be the next nolan gorman and matthew libitor and at the age of eight and how they had to, you know, go out there and prove it in, in oh, nine yeah. new coach pitch, you know, machine pitch yeah. for that. God. Go, out there, go out there and earn your major league stripes third yeah. grader. Exactly. Jeez. Uh, but anyway, um, Andy, I have an umpire. Speaking of Joe West, I have an umpire related crack slipper for us today. If you would do the honors for us uh, with your COVID voice and all. Yeah, Joe, some stories just aren't meant to hit the mainstream news, and we picked those stories up here on Weekend Joe. These are the crack suburbs with Joe Roderick and ClaibsOnline.com. 
Andy, um, Northeastern University or Northeastern State University baseball. Um, not quite, not quite Northeastern, not quite Northwestern, Northeastern State. Yeah, yeah, Northeastern State. Their historic season came to the end on Saturday with a loss to number 17th ranked Henderson State. Have, have you ever been to Henderson State? That's uh, that's not one of the 50 states I have on my list of uh, places no, I want to run. Uh, Henderson, Nevada. Henderson, yeah, it's uh, now it's, it's now a state. Okay, uh, this was in the NCAA Central Regionals. Um, mm-hmm. This uh, this past week, the Riverhawks were down eleven to five going into the bottom of the ninth inning, and they were uh, oh they were um, they, they 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 went on a little hot streak. They scored five runs in the ninth inning, oh. and Blaze Brothers. That's a God, that's an awesome name. Blaze Brothers it's- cleared the bases, representing the tying run. As he turned first base, Brothers ran into the umpire, got up, ran to second base, was tagged out, and that umpire called him out. Andy, the Central Region Player of the Year, Brock Reller, was coming up on deck. He had already homered, hit his 28th home run earlier in the game. Wow. Joe, what is the actual rule on that? Is Is there kind of umpire interference? Their umpire's discretion says that he could have easily just said, you know what? You ran into me. You were out by half a second. You would have had it standing up. You're, you're safe. I got in your way. That's, that's your base. Wow. Yeah. It wasn't like he went back to first. Like he was just thrown out barely at second to where the umpire could have been like, Hey, you know what? He ran into me. I was out of position. He's safe. Yeah. That ended the game. That was the ninth out. That was the 27th out of the game. Yeah, end of the game. I saw that story. Uh, what a jackass! It's I, I yeah. I mean, you have the ability to overturn that, and you don't. Yeah, you cost a team their season. That, that, that's the call you make because you yeah. got in the way. What an ass! Video up online. Uh, if you search for the Northeastern State Riverhawks, you can see the video. Multiple angles of it too. Good job by the uh, by the media department for the. Uh, for that school having multiple views of uh, of that. Andy, this weekend, um, God, I, I am going to spend, I already have spent a lot of money in 2022 uh, at the movie theaters. Just some of the movies that I have gone to, uh, to see already between Doctor Strange and Sonic and the bad guys. And I think there was another one thrown in there too. Oh, Batman, the Batman that I went and saw. A lot of money I have spent on <laughs> movies so far here in 2022. And this weekend, Andy, I'm going to go see Bob's Burgers movie i'm going to go to the edge bistro i'm going to have a burger while i watch the bob's burgers movies that's going to be uh something i do this whoa, weekend whoa, whoa, can't whoa. wait for it yeah whoa, whoa, whoa. yeah i did not expect you to say that you're going to see the bob's burgers movie i can't wait to go see the bob's burgers movie i thought for sure you're gonna go see top gun maverick no have zero interest in seeing top gun maverick. are you kidding me Zero, zero, Andy, less, less than zero. When that movie comes out on Paramount or HBO Max, whatever streaming service it's going to come out on in a month, still, I might put it on while I play games on my phone. Really? Yeah. Top Gun, 1986 Top Gun, uh, made me the man I am today, Joe. I have the really? need for speed. I have the need for speed, Joe. Yeah. No, that was, it, it was, I, I've seen Top Gun, 1986 uh 500 times easily can re- i can recite it 
No, I've seen it once and I'm good. Yeah. So I'm very excited for uh for Top Gun Mavericks. Getting pretty good reviews. It's, it's very entertaining. That's good. Little, you need to come out with a third one? It's a little it's a little ridiculous, but it's very entertaining. But so is Top Gun. Top Gun was ridiculous. I mean, there's there's a there's four men and a very erotic scene of them playing volleyball together. Mm. Maybe they'll come out with a third and a fourth. Maybe it'll be like, you know, av- nobody asked for a second avatar, but they're coming out with that. But no, um, Bob, I mean, Bob's Burgers this weekend. I'm going to talk about it because, you know, coming. Uh, I'm going to be talking a lot about the movies. I think, what, June 10th, uh, the Jurassic World movie comes out. June 17th, yeah. Buzz Lightyear uh, movie Lightyear comes out. Um, you got the Thor movie that's coming out. Uh, the new Minions movie, Rise of Gru coming out. I got a lot of money set aside to spend at the movie theaters this summer. Andy, I did not expect to, uh, I did not expect this to be on my list of movies I needed to watch. Andy, A.A. Milne's original Winnie the Pooh is going to be remade into a slasher film. A slasher film? Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, wrapped up production earlier this month, and the first stills show a demonic Pooh and Piglet about to pounce on a scantily clad young woman relaxing in a hot tub, and they have set the internet on fire. What's Eeyore's role in this movie? Do we know? We don't know yet. Um, I'm sure very depressed. Thanks for murdering me. Director Riz Waterfield, who is in uh, working on post-production on four other films, including Fire NATO and The Demonic Christmas Tree, said the response to the stills has been absolutely crazy. He said, because of all the press and stuff, we're just going to start expediting and editing and getting through post-production as fast as we can, because that's what makes a movie good, rushing through all of that stuff. Oh, absolutely. He said, we're going to make sure it's still good, but it's going to be high priority. So they have finished principal photography of the movie, correct? Yes, they have. Yeah. Uh, the movie, again, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, will see Pooh and Piglet as the main villains going on a rampage after being abandoned by a college-bound Christopher Robin. So basically, like the remember Toy Story, Andy went off to college, and they found the new girl, Bonnie, to go live with. Right. This one, Pooh and Piglet are going to start murdering people. I don't know about this, Joe. Yeah. Christopher Robin pulled away from them, and he's not giving them food. It's made Pooh and Piglet's life quite difficult. Because they have to fend from themselves, they essentially become feral. So they've gone back to their animal roots. They're no longer tame. Now they're just a vicious barren pig who want to go around and find prey. Huh. All right. Andy Piglet has tusks. I have to look this up now. Winnie the Pooh. (laughs) Blood and honey. It shows in the picture that the woman is in the jacuzzi. It's having a good time. Pooh and Piglet appear behind her, chloroform her, and take her out of the jacuzzi. Andy, I don't know if this is going to be on Disney+. Plus. I'm just, I'm not sure Disney Plus is going to uh, put this out there. Yeah, uh... I wonder if he talks the same. Oh, God, look at Piglet is not. Wow. Became feral. And Pooh, it appears that Pooh is wearing pants, like overalls. 
Okay. So at least he, at least he at least he puts pants on a pair of pants on for the movie. Mm-hmm. But I wonder if what if he talks the same? Like, oh bother. Huh. Yeah. Apparently, um, yeah, it's um the the we're not sure if Disney has anything to say about it just yet. Uh, or, or so A.A. Milne's earliest stories are now out of copyright. Disney ex- uh, retains exclusive use of their interpretations of Pooh Bear and his friends. So they had to be extremely careful knowing that there was a line between copyright and what Disney owns. So uh, many of the characters in this are based on the 1926 version. So, Andy, um, Tigger will not appear in the right. movie. And apparently... There is a scene featuring Eeyore's tombstone. Ah, so no Eeyore. He got yeah, murdered. Uh, apparently, he was eaten by Pooh and Piglet. No. Thanks for eating me. This movie's going to be so terrible. I can't wait to see it. I mean, it's like it's like going to be Sharknado bad. Worse, worse. Go. Um... Go, uh, go check out God. What the whatever the last uh, Nicholas Cage was in a movie where he does not talk the entire movie. But he's in a movie zero. He has zero lines the entire movie, and it is God. It's a really really bad movie, and it's going to be similar to uh, to something like this. Oh, I'm not looking through. He has made so many movies lately that it's hard to even find. Willie's Wonderland is the name of the movie from 2021. Yeah. So yeah. Awful. It's mm-hmm. So there you go. Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey coming to a uh, hopefully God, I hope to a theater near you. You know who it won't be starring, Joe? Who? Is uh, Ray Liotta. Ray Liotta That's died right. today at the, at the age of 67. God, way, to, way to really bring the show down on a negative note. I mean, <laughs> I, I thought I was, I thought I really had things going going upward uh, with my, my Winnie the Pooh blood and honey story. Well, I, uh, I, eating as they eat Eeyore. I, right. I thought that was, I thought that was a high note to end the show on. And then you have to bring up Ray Liotta passing away. Yeah. <laughs> favorite late, 67. favorite. Uh, 67. Favorite late, uh, Ray Liotta role. I, Shoeless Joe Jackson is is going to be um, I, I, that's going to be a favorite of mine in Field of Dreams. Um, the Shantrix commercials. I mean, how could anybody uh, forget about all of those? Oh yeah, that, that he's uh, he's done lately. But I, I'm going to guess, Andy. I'm going to guess. Are you going to say Goodfellas? You know, I'm not. It's my second favorite. Okay. Uh, my B movie. B movie. My favorite Ray Liotta role is the role of uh, uh, when he played the FBI agent in the uh, in the Silence of the Lambs prequel, and he gets his brains eaten by Hannibal Lecter. Mm. Gets him cooked with some garlic. I don't recall seeing that. Yeah. He's got a lot of movies. He's uh, that he is um, that, that he was working on that he was in before he passed away. Yeah. I don't see a cause of death yet. No, no I, I haven't either. They said he died in his sleep while he was in the uh, Dominican Republic shooting an upcoming film, Dangerous Waters. Hmm. Well, yeah, yeah, 67 seems way too young for uh, for Ray Liotta to, uh, to pass away. Way too young. 
Yeah. Andy, that's going to do it for our program today as we um, as we head towards the Memorial Day weekend. And we, um, yeah, hopefully everybody out there has a wonderful weekend. Stay safe out there. Temperatures are going to be nice and uh, nice and warm for you. Hopefully you're able to uh, to get out and enjoy it uh, along with some Cardinal baseball this weekend. I know Hudson very much looking forward to, uh, to going out and seeing the Padres series next weekend. He's got his Fernando Tatis jersey ready to uh, ready to go. And he is uh, he is excited to see those games next week. So we uh, we wrap up. Andy, have a, a great weekend. Hope you are feeling well. Thanks, Joe. Yeah, my my, uh, my quarantine ends on uh, Friday. I can leave the house again on Saturday. And if uh, if your audio sounds anything like what it does on my end, uh, that's your audio. I think not the COVID that making that's making you sound like that as we wrap up the show here today. Enjoy your weekend, everybody. For Andy Hanselman, I am Joe Roderick. This has been another edition of Weekend Joe, driven by Munganas St. Louis Acura, Munganas Alton Toyota. Here on ClabesOnline.com. At St. Louis Acura, new inventory is arriving daily, both new and pre-owned. Our buying team adds a higher level of personalized service that others can't match. We sell over 100 pre-owned vehicles monthly, and many of these are matched by our buying teams in Missouri and Illinois. As new Acura production ramps up, be one of the lucky ones to try the newest Type S models now available. Performance has never been so stylish and comfortable. St. Louis Acura remains committed to becoming better than ever for you.